When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move. To the net. Big time score. And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback. Riley takes the step. Settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. On the ice tonight in the second period, the Predators lead the Maple Leafs 1-0. Craig Smith has his 15th of the season. The Blues are up 1-0 on the Flyers early second period. Braden Shen with his ninth of the year. Wild and Canadians no score. That's with about five minutes left in the first period. Coming up in about half an hour, Calgary is in Chicago. And then later on tonight, the Kings play the Sharks. The Oilers will visit San Jose tomorrow night, 7 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 8.30. NCAA football championship game about to start in Santa Clara, California. Number one, Alabama taking on number two, Clemson. Third time in the last four years they are playing in the title game. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight at 6. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. The uh, Edmonton Oilers went from, well, incompetence to productive over the weekend. A uh, stunningly horrific loss to the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday and then Camp Talbot, the backbone of yesterday's win against the Anaheim Ducks. We'll get into that a little bit more. We'll talk about some of the uh, heated discussion around uh, some of the officiating in that game the Hampus Lindholm check from behind on Connor McDavid what do the uh, refs need to do what do the Oilers need to do about this and of course you're welcome to chime in as well our text line is 630-630 the phone number 780-496-0063 I'm also looking forward to uh, the next half hour of the show I just want to tee this up and uh, tee up being an appropriate term because we will have Edmonton Eskimos place kicker Sean White on the show to talk about the double doink. Kellen, did you see this? I did, yeah. By the way, congratulations mm. on your NFL picks over the weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, you went 3-1. and one. Nice. I went a uh, much less good, some people would call it ungood, uh, I went one and three, so uh, we'll do uh, more picks for the weekend. Hey, on I was Friday. just happy, Indy oh, one. You're just, you're just, you're just happy to be out there. That was good. You're just happy to be participating. So the double doink, Cody Park, uh, Cody Parkey's 43-yard field goal for the Bears would have, well, likely won the game. They would have been ahead with like five seconds left. Uh, hits the upright, then the crossbar. I believe they've officially changed it to a block kick because they've ruled it was tipped 
at the line of scrimmage, uh, perhaps just barely, but he didn't able to. He wasn't able to get that to go. So Sean White's going to weigh in on that and just kicking and pressure situations in general. But I do want to get to this right away. This is Ricky Ricardo. And I thought, where do I know that name? Well, that was the name of Desi Arnaz's character on I Love Lucy, Ricky Ricardo. But this is uh, not a fictional character. This is a gentleman named Ricky Ricardo. He does the Philadelphia Eagles games in Spanish on the radio. Here's his call of that kick. They're Cody Parkey. 43 yardas. El snap. Le mete el pie. Distancia, dirección. Le dio el poste. No, falló. Oh. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. Los hijos se van con la victoria. Ay, papá. No, señor. No, señor. Chicago, Chicago. No vamos para New Orleans. I, you know, I kind of wish you would have showed some enthusiasm, <laughs> but not bad. I, I, I think my favorite part is when he starts singing Chicago at the end of it. Just, guess that just popped into his mind. We, we may play that again later on tonight. That was pretty epic. So anyway, uh, Sean White will be on to talk about the double doink. Oh, I want to mention this as well. Goose Island Beer, which is a Chicago-based brewery, they got a little tired of all the abuse that Parkey was taking from fans over the last 24 hours. And especially the comments where you had people saying, oh, I could have made this kick, I'm a better kicker than this guy, all that kind of stuff. So this weekend, they are going to build football goalposts on the street outside their brewery. And if any average Joe or average Jane, for that matter, can make a 43-yard field goal, they get beer for a year. So they said, okay, everybody who is running their mouth that you could make this kick, come do it. And if you can, you get beer for a year. I wonder how many people now in the Chicago area are spending all of this week practicing 43-yard field goals. (laughs) I know one night... um, uh, when I was working in Lloyd Minster, a couple of buddies and I went on the uh, Lloyd Comp football field. <laughs> it might have been post-dusk. We, we probably weren't supposed to be there, but we were talking about field goals you could make. Uh, I think I made a 25-yarder, just barely. My, my buddy uh, Cliff, who's a more athletic gentleman than I am, and we were obviously much younger at the time, he got a 40-yarder to sneak over the crossbar. Wow. But it was, you know, it probably took him four or five tries, and then he just got it to sneak over the crossbar. And let me guess. And this, this, is, this, is, like, this is ideal conditions, yeah. no rush, take okay. your time. Right. This wasn't playoff game on the line. Right. So anyway, uh, Goose Island Beer, they're saying, come make the kick. You're going to tweet that you're a better kicker than this guy? Okay, here's your chance. Come make the kick. If you do it, you get beer for a year. Fun stuff. Okay. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they are 2019-3 on the season. They are two points out of the playoffs. They are a confounding bunch to watch, aren't they? Caleb Jones will skate off the remaining five seconds, and Edmonton will hope better days lie ahead. 
we had one player show up and play. Darnell Nurse was our best player by a mile. We didn't compete. This is on everybody. It's what happens when you don't show up. It's 10 seconds to go, and Lindholm will close it out, and so will Cam Talbot. His first shutout since the season opener, 2017-18. He needs 39 tonight, and it's enough to beat the Anaheim Ducks. It was a hard game. I mean, back-to-back, -back, a short rest, Anaheim sitting here, and... They've had a tough goal of it. Um, we stuck with it. Uh, we buried on our chances, and that was a good uh, good bounce back game for us. You know, Ken Hitchcock said something after the L.A. game that I think applies to this team, that uh, they get desperate, they have some disappointing games, they feel backed into a corner, and then all of a sudden they wake up and bring a better effort. But sometimes if they win a game or two, they start to think like, oh, yeah, you know, we're actually pretty good. We'll just kind of go out there and uh, beat teams because we're so good. That mentality has to end. I, I think we even saw it last year. Probably hurt them at the start of the season. Coming off a playoff appearance and then a lot of hype. You know, some people... Now, I, I, was, I wasn't one of them, but there were a fair number of people in the national media thinking the Oilers could win the Stanley Cup last season. And I think they believed some of that hype. And uh, they never got it going. This season, a playoff spot is still right there. They're going to have to do quite well in the second half of the season. But they're going to have to get rid of this mentality that uh, they're not going to turn it up until they're backed into a corner or feel like they've been whipped a couple of games. So that is something to watch for, for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Elvis is on the line. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Reed. Hey, listen, uh... I, I don't know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you can call it whatever you want. But these guys, it's like, I, I think it boils down to one simple thing. I've been watching this like crazy. If they get goaltending and they can survive that first, like, I think the other night was like seven minutes. And the shots were like seven to two or something against uh, Anaheim. And then they, they turned it on. I don't know. I think, I think. The biggest lack that they've had is those goaltending reads. That's to me. I think when their goalie steps in there and shuts the door, like Cam did the other night, like Koskinen's been able to do in in the past, they seem to be okay. But this, I can't buy into not 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 getting up for a game. Every game from here on in is like a playoff game, isn't it? Well, it should be. They they've played three games on this road trip. They haven't had a really um, a great start in any of them. I mean, they were they didn't obviously it was a disaster in Los Angeles. They were outshot 16-7 against Arizona, but only trailed one nothing. And then yeah. they didn't do much in the first five minutes against the Ducks. Tal probably probably three of Talbot's four best saves last night were in the first five minutes, and then they kind of got some momentum. And, and, and look, they just played the three lowest scoring teams in the league. So you would hope to win at least two of those. Okay, they did. The one was a disaster against Los Angeles. If, if they're fooling around tomorrow against San Jose, uh, it, 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 they could be behind really early. But, but I agree about the goaltending. I mean, look, Elvis, go back and look at almost any year in the NHL. The 16 teams that make the playoffs are usually the 16 teams that are the tops in save percentage. So if, they're, if their goalies hold them in games, that'll make quite a bit of a difference too. No, for sure. And you know what, Reed, like I, I'm a big fan of the show. I've listened in. Uh, forever and ever, and I appreciate the other night when you said it was really nice meeting you. It was great to meet you at the game. Uh, the other night I was a little disgruntled because I, I am a huge Oiler fan, and everybody at work and all my buddies say, 
Don, you're just way too positive. You gotta, you gotta give up on this. I, I can't. I, I drank out of Stanley Cups in the years past. Probably need tetanus shots for that. <laughs> I am an Oilers fan, true and true. And uh, you know what? I just, I just hope that, uh, I just hope that the boys can turn it around because it's sure no fun sitting on the deck in April not watching your team in the playoffs. Elvis, we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Reed. That is Elvis at 780-496-0063. couple of texts I uh, want to get to related to some of the extracurricular activity involving the Oilers and their opponents over the weekend. It's 617 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. So a lot of discussion over the last 24 hours, well, really over the weekend. I mean, the Oilers just rolled over in Los Angeles, but you had Drew Doughty with the uh, elbow on Connor McDavid. The Oilers showed absolutely no fight back, no gamesmanship, anything like that. They were a a feistier bunch last night against the Anaheim Ducks. I I think the Hampus Lindholm check on Connor McDavid should have been a penalty. To me, that's a a, a dangerous play. I'm not saying Lindholm should have been kicked out of the game, but I think that's a a two-minute cross-checking or boarding penalty. Uh, This texter says, How come the Oilers players keep getting kicked out for a little rough stuff, but Getzlaff can start boxing players, and it's the Oilers who get a penalty? Corey says, what if Connor McDavid says he's not going to the All-Star game until the NHL gets their referees to be more consistent? Brad Marchand from Boston barely gets touched, and he gets the calls. It is sad that the league leader in points for the last two years has uh, the least penalty minutes called on him per minutes played. The NHL needs to realize that if Connor is injured, they will lose out when it comes to money. That is a text coming in from Corey. And uh, another text here from Payne who says, Hey, Reed, I have a novel idea. Why don't NHL referees just call the rules according to the rule book? Don't worry about what players are involved in the play. Don't worry about what the score is. Don't worry about how many power plays there have been previously in the game. Just call penalties. That is a text coming in from Payne. Uh, you know, I wonder sometimes, guys, and this is going to be a discussion point for as long as Connor McDavid plays for the Edmonton Oilers, because he is going to be targeted. He is aggressive teams and aggressive players are going to try to get away with as much as possible. You know, I I got that uh, the, the one texter wrote in there about Ryan Getzlaff specifically. I really think that referees get used to seeing certain players do certain things and that chippier, aggressive players kind of, you know, make referees feel accustomed to how they play. So if if Ryan gets left, we'll just use him for an example. If after every whistle or after every play around the net, he's given a guy a little slash or a little cross check to the wrist or given somebody a face wash and he does it every single time, then he creates a standard for himself and a referee is going to say, okay, well, you know, that's just Ryan. I got to back off a little bit. Whereas if... Uh, you know, Kevin Gravel, who hardly ever does that, the ref will be like, oh my God, what's Kevin Gravel doing? He's going crazy, and he'll give him a penalty. I, I don't necessarily, I, I used Euler, obviously that was a Homer comment because I'm using an Euler as, as the victim in that case, but I do think that gets to be the case around the league. A guy toes the line, crosses the line, 
I think after a while, referees get to say, okay, well, he's he's a jerk and he's chippy, um, so I, I'm only going to call the worst stuff because I don't want to call every single penalty, as opposed to I think what a lot of you want is when a guy comes into the league as a rookie and is trying to be a jerk and trying to cross the line, why doesn't the referee say, like, hey, buddy, that's not what we do. You don't slash after the whistle. Uh, you, you don't you don't face wash. You don't you know jab a guy in the shoulder after the whistle. You, you know you, th- those are going to be penalties. But you know hockey has that I think culture where it's they they accept stuff after the whistle. They accept players standing up for their teammates often out, outside the boundaries of the game. And and I think that's where lines get crossed crossed and they get blurred. I'm not saying it's right. I may, you know, I don't know. Maybe I've given up a little bit. I, I just don't know how you undo decades of that being ingrained in the game. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Cam is on the line. How you doing? Good. Okay, quick question for you. I mean, the coaches, how do you feel about the transition now? Anything on those guys? Have they talked about anything? Sorry, have the coaches talked about what? Well, the transition with Hitch being there, like, what's their input and stuff? How do they feel about him being there? Sorry, do you mean the – sorry, Cam, I missed the start of your call there. Do you mean the players? No, the assistant coaches. How do they feel oh, the assistant Hitch coaches. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think they're fine with Hitch being there because he's an experienced coach, and, and they did pretty well when he first came in. Uh, I mean, I know certainly what you're saying. They, they, those guys weren't hired to be Hitch's assistants. They, right. were, they were hired to be Todd's assistants. You know, but having said that, that, that wasn't their decision that Todd was let go. They're there to support the head coach. And as yeah. I think we've seen, Cam, the, you know, I, I think the problems with the team don't lie in the coach's office. You know, there's some deficiencies on the roster. There's some yeah. players who could have been expected to do better who – Aren't I mean uh, Reader and Lucic have combined for one goal, um, so I, you know I think they're there to support Hitch and 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 fill their roles. And if I'm not mistaken, Kajula was he about the fourth high score for the Oilers? Just the third or fourth player? Uh, uh, for goals, he would have been fifth. That trade didn't make a lot of sense to me, Cam. Rob and I have well, talked about that quite a bit. Yeah, disappointing. I mean, if you want to go out and get Manning, I guess fine. Go out and get Manning, but Kajula. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, like, I don't want to. I don't want all of a sudden want to make Drake Kajula sound like Yari Curry be, now that he's gone. He had, he had problems in his game. You know, he was inconsistent. I think he was taking longer than they wanted to learn some of the defensive side of the game. But when he was yeah. when he was playing well, he was actually kind of feisty and might snipe yeah. the odd goal. So yeah, that was that was a weird he one to me. Grit. He had some grit. Scored some goals. He was, I think, you know, a really guy that they could have kept in gave them Spoon or somebody else in the trade. They needed him, I think, to score a few more goals. And I think he would have got that. Thanks, but Cam. Opinion. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. 627. A uh, little more uh, Oilers chat. I, I want to get to something that uh, Gary Bettman told me last season about officiating. And then we'll get in Sean White on the double doink. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. NCAA football championship game, 7-7. 
early in the first quarter. Defensive touchdown for Clemson, and then uh, Alabama got a long score to even it up. Predators lead the Maple Leafs 2-0 late second period. After the first no-score, Montreal and Minnesota. Late second period in Philly, the Blues lead the Flyers 1-zip. Coming up later tonight, Flames and Blackhawks, Kings and Sharks. Oilers did not skate today. They will play the Sharks tomorrow night. We have it on 6.30, Chad. 7 o'clock for the face-off show, and the game will start at 8.30. I got a text here, Chad from Spruce Grove. He says, while I agree that weathering the first few shots on net is vital... The simple fact is getting outshot is not the fault of the goaltender. It's the product of defensive play. The tender's job is to make the standard stops and some stop some quality chances. Defensive play by all five guys has gifted teams with more quality chances than a goalie should have to stop. A solid tender might weather the storm on some nights, but it's the defensive play starting from the back end that's uh, done one thing on a nightly basis. It's kept puck possession on the wrong side of center and turned offensive players into back checkers and scrambled bodies who ultimately tire and make positional errors. More time on the right side of the red line from good first passes, physical contact, less turnover, gives our top players more time to do what is necessary, and that's attack through the neutral zone and set up offensive time for dot 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 goals that is chad from spruce grove well okay that's a good text chad and you hit on some good points the orders have been like badly outshot uh what i think their last 11 games now i did i usually put down the stats for every pregame show i put down the shot stats i didn't do it for the show tonight but they've been outshot a lot lately and they were actually outshot a lot last night and that that's a fair point now i look they are missing cleft bomb. You can't give all your games away when you don't have your top defenseman. That hurts them getting the puck out. I also think, Chad, that at times the Oilers have players who forget who they are. And Ken Hitchcock wants his players to play zone-to-zone hockey. And Hitch isn't looking for players to make sexy plays. I mean, he's fine with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins dangling and being creative. If you're really not one of those three guys, get the puck to the next zone on the ice. You know, if you can pass it, great. If if all you need to do is, is dump it and get it out and chase it into the next zone or dump it into the other team's end of the rink, then just do that. And then as Hitch says, get on the grind. Lean on guys. This is the biggest cliche in hockey and it's probably not ever going to go away because it does help you know it's like what did Don Cherry want when he had a defenseman come up from the AHL when he was coaching the Boston Bruins off the glass and out (laughs) and then if you're a forward cross the red line and shoot it in and and I, I think the Oilers are in trouble and they give up more shots because they're not effective in passing the puck out of their own end, and that's because they don't have enough skill on the team. And then I also think that they have players who get it into their heads who think they're all of a sudden going to make complex plays when a chip-out or a flip-out would suffice. And we, we've seen plays like this. I mean, uh, Pugliarvi did it a couple games ago. He's got the puck two feet from the blue line, and he dropped it to Lucic, put it back deeper into his own end. And then Lucic is surprised to get the puck. And then he tried to make a pass into the middle of the ice instead of just flipping up the boards to get it out. So there's a veteran player and a younger player uh, both making a bad decision when a simple play uh, 
would have got the job done. So that's that's a well thought out uh, comment there from from Chad, and I, I do think the Oilers have to simplify it because outside of their top three guys, they will not outskill teams. They will not work the round around the puck in the offensive zone like San Jose and Tampa Bay can. They they might be able to pressure the puck. But when they get it, it has to go in a straight line into the corner or at the other team's goaltender. And I think that's what Hitch wants. The creative guys can do whatever they want. Rob Brown says this all the time. He played for Hitch. You know, defensively, you're mine. You do what I want all the time. Offensively, okay, you can try things. But if you're not capable of, of making those awesome plays, then you got to just advance it into the next zone and, and and get on your horse and chase it. And I do think the Oilers did a better job of that last night against Anaheim. They were completely out of it against the Los Angeles Kings. We were talking a little bit about uh, officiating. I know a lot of you are frustrated with uh, penalty calls or lack of them for some of the uh, obstruction and uh, abuse that Connor McDavid ha- has taken. I got to interview Gary Bettman when he was in Edmonton last March. And I said, Gary, should referees have to do interviews after games to explain some of their decisions? Here's what he said. No. Uh, frankly, at the, at the end of the day, uh, if an explanation is required for a play, uh, we do it in real time out of the Toronto office where hockey operations and officiating is based. Uh, and uh, in this era of media and social media and every word being scrutinized, our officials aren't used to dealing with the media, and I think that would lend more confusion. I think the more important point is our officials do a terrific job. They're the best officials in all the sports. They're the best hockey officials in the world. Uh, but it's a human game. Uh, coaches make mistakes. Players make mistakes. We strive for consistency. We don't like mistakes. If you make too many of them, obviously you don't have a future as an official. But at the end of the day, overwhelmingly, if you put aside a rooting interest, overwhelmingly they're getting the calls right. Uh, with all the extensive video that there is, uh, it's clear that they're right even when lots of people with a rooting interest think that they're wrong Uh, but they do occasionally make an error and there are judgment calls and judgment calls tend to be subjective depending on who you're rooting for all right so that's what Bettman told me last March I know I get asked that a lot well why don't why don't refs do interviews why don't they come out and say this is what I saw this is why I made the call Bettman doesn't believe that should be the case in in baseball they often send a pool reporter in to talk to an umpire who can actually give a quote on on what he saw on a play. You know, I do agree with Bettman that is that that explanation will probably not appease the the fans who feel their team was slighted. I I would like that personally to get that information from the referee. I think in this day and age. People want as much information as possible. We have cameras everywhere on the ice, on the field, on the diamond. So why can't a referee talk to a reporter after a game, you know, in a, in a reasonable environment and say, here's what happened, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I saw. Uh, now, he's probably not going to admit that he's wrong necessarily. But the one thing you watch for 
is do these referees get playoff assignments when it gets down to that? And they're obviously evaluated behind the scenes. It's not made publicly. So, you know, maybe sometimes if you're watching a lot of NHL games and you think you got a ref doing a substandard job, jot down his name, remember his name, see if he gets playoff games, then he's being held accountable that way. All right, uh, Clemson got another touchdown. The game's only five minutes old. It's 14-7. Clemson leading Alabama in the NCAA football championship game. NFL playoffs over the weekend punctuated by the double doink, the missed field goal by the Chicago Bears. We will get the perspective of Eskimos place kicker Sean White when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY. Check them out online, furnacefamily.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. All right, so the uh, NFL playoffs... Four games over the weekend. The final one ended with the double doink. Cody Parker of the Bears, 43-yard field goal try, hits the upright, comes down, hits the crossbar, and kicks out, and the Bears lose as a result. Eskimos kicker Sean White knows what that is all about, kicking with the game on the line. Sean, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm great, and how are you? Doing very well. Good to have you on the show again. How's your off-season been? You enjoying the winter? I actually have been, yeah. It's, uh, I've been doing a lot of curling, so uh, it's keeping me busy. Well, that's the thing. You're a, you're an active guy, and we've we've talked before about your passion for curling, which is pretty cool. How's your rank doing? You getting some wins? Yeah, we're not too bad. We're not the we're not the best team, but we're not the worst. So uh, we win some, we lose some, but uh, it's a good good group of guys that I'm with, and uh, the Thistle Curling Club here in Edmonton. It's just uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, even the guys I play against, they're, they're, they're beauties, and it's all about having the beers afterwards anyway. <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, uh, we want to talk to you about some, uh, well, the, the big kicking story from the weekend, the double doink, as it will forever be known. You know, first of all, when you see that, I mean, you're a kicker, so what, what's going through your mind when, when you see that outcome on such a big kick? Yeah, it's, it's it's sad. Uh, really, it is. Uh, I've been in that situation, and you know, he's a young guy, a new guy in the league. And I remember when it happened to me, and you just get in those little, just you, you think you hit a good ball, and it just doesn't work out for you. And it's kind of that feeling of what what do I got to do here? Like, what is wrong with me? But uh, that's sports, and that's the tough part of kicking. You're you're the lonely kicker, and uh, you know you're only as good as your last kick. It seemed like, you know, I noticed right after the kick, a couple of teammates came up to him. Unfortunately for Parkey, he was booed going off the field by some of the fans, which is tough. But what did teammates say to a kicker in that situation? Because there's so many plays in a game, but unfortunately that's the one that is going to be remembered. What do you think the guy, or did they did they say anything? Did they just come up and give him a hug? Well, that's, that's, that's the hardest part. Is I think when you miss those kind of kicks, you you're feeling more of, man, I just let those players down because they're out there battling and donating their body where a kicker kind of stands there and just waits for his moment. And, uh, you know, if they don't say anything to you at all, then, then you know uh, you probably want to get out of that situation real quick. But uh, most of the time, guys will come up to you and just be like, hey, it wasn't only you. Like, 
there's there's usually other mistakes that happen in a game that also cause a team to lose. So yeah, the kicker blew his opportunity, and it sucks being a kicker because your mistakes are magnified. Where other players can make mistakes, and oh well, onto the next play, or as or a guy runs the wrong route, but you would never know as a fan where if we miss, we miss, and uh, it sucks because we could be the total go to the team and everyone just puts the finger at you but uh as it, it can be different and it's it, it can be really hard as a kicker and it feels very lonely and it's a long plane ride back too one tactic that is employed sometimes if the opposing coach has a timeout is the icing the kicker philadelphia did do that yesterday they called timeout just before the snap and he actually made that kick that turned out not counting does that i mean coaches have tried to do that to you does that actually have an impact on the kicker, the, the, the timeout right before a first try? I don't know. It can be both ways. Uh, I've had it, Yeah, I've had it a few times. But uh, there's also some times where I feel like I just want that extra little moment to think about it, visualizing the kick and, and go through with it. But uh, I don't know. I think it depends on the kicker and his mental attitude towards the kick and how he prepares himself in his routine. But uh I, I try to keep my my routine all up until the point where I go up and do my lineup. So uh, you can time to uh, call a timeout, and I'll just stand back away from everybody. I don't want to hear them talking. Then I'll come in and just get right back into my routine again. Where some people are about timing and all that other stuff, and they're thinking a lot. So that can cause a problem. But when I watch his kick, he uh, I call that a choke because you can see his head lifts. Like if you're a golfer, head down, but his head lifts, his leg goes across body, and that brings your hips across your body, which is a pull hook. And that's what happens from nerves. That's what I find. But if you're calm, relaxed, and loose, if you hit a good ball, it'll miss right if it's going to miss at all. But when you pull left, that's a technique issue, and that's that's what happened there. And he said, I saw his interview after. He said, oh, I hit two good balls. I'm like, man, don't don't lie. <laughs> the ball, everything looked bad on the kick, plus ball flight and plus results. Okay, so you you saw it right away then. As soon as so, so you saying that's that's constant. That's a lack of conference, concentration and some nerves getting in that the way he missed the ball. That's just nerves, and that happens when I miss too. If I miss left, that's usually the case. Is my head picks up. So when I get to the ball I, to, to line up, I'm always, I just tell myself, or I, I do my routine, my steps, I look at the ball, look at the post, give the nod, and I just think, head down, follow through. Because I know if, as long as I fall, have my head down, it's going to go through. But if I pick my head up, my follow through will usually save me. So that's, I just try to keep everything short and sweet and not think. But I also take a deep breath before I kick, and that's the most important thing. And I've actually used it for every sport that I play, even curling. Uh, or in golf, take that deep breath before, and you'll just feel just that much more relaxed. And he just looked tense and looked nervous, and that's that's normal for a young kicker. Sean White, Eskimos place kicker, joining us on Inside Sports. Well, and you wonder too, and they they showed the highlight pack yesterday. He had what a total of five goal posts earlier in the season. <laughs> so I mean, you have to wonder if that's somewhere had to be somewhere in his mind when he's stepping up for that one. Oh, guaranteed. That's, but that's that doubt's going to go through your head. That's where usually your routine will take over, and that's all you think about. But, yeah, it's it's tough, especially if you missed one right before, but I don't think he did that. But that's the toughest situation is when I when I always, like, bump even uh, with Lewis Ward this year, I'm like, well, wait till he gets tested, actually. Let's see, let's see what happens when he, when he has a miss. 
and you can and you can see after that he started missing some. And that's that's the biggest test for a kicker is how ba- how you can come back from a kick, and it does weigh on your mind. Plus, it's a big game. Plus, uh, you know, it's a game-winning situation. So there's all those things. So it does weigh on your mind, but at that moment, you got to have a routine in, in place that you do every single time, so everything is somewhat the same. It's not going to be perfect, but at least close. Uh, so it's just muscle memory, and like if I could shut off my brain, I'd be the best kicker on the planet. But you know, it's tough to not think about things sometimes and have that little bit of doubt. But then, but right before you got to at least lie to yourself and to help yourself out in that situation. Right. Okay. And 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 that kick itself, upright and then crossbar. Does that that I mean that must make it even more gut wrenching? Because it could it could have hit the crossbar and flipped through and counted. I know. Yeah, it's just it's, again, and it could hit a millimeter on the one side of the post, and it would just go in. But, and uh, yeah, that's tough. You could watch the bear behind the upright too. You could see him as a, it hits the upright, but he thought it was still going to go in. Then hits the bar, and it's almost like he got shot, and then he collapsed. The <laughs> collapse on the ground. So uh, you know, that's just a, it, it sucks. That's just bad luck, man. You gotta you gotta have some luck. And poor uh, that poor Parky guy, he's he's struggling. It's just it's just bad luck. You can I, I've hit a lot of bad balls too, and I'm like. As soon as I hit it off my foot, I'm like, oh, crap. And I look up, and it's dead straight. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I just walk it off like I meant to do it. But uh, he has no luck right now. I just feel bad for him. How much do you adjust for uh, wind in a game? Because, you know, I, I've heard some people say, well, why don't they just always aim right down the middle? And even if there's a little bit of wind, it'll still <laughs> blow through. But sometimes you know, the conditions are a little more unpredictable than that. Yeah, it's it's that's annoying when people say that. I'm like, well, you go out there and try it because you wouldn't believe how much that ball does get affected just by a little bit of wind. And I watch the NFL games, and they're like, oh, they're playing in the elements today, and the flag is barely moving. I'm like, come play in the CFL league. Like, we we have to deal with wind every single day. So it's like, I, I kind of laugh at that, but it depends on the wind that I'm dealing with. But uh, yeah, there's times I'm in Calgary uh, two years ago, Western Final. There's gusts of wind so the gusts are the hardest ones to deal with uh and i knew that like i started that ball right and that thing took off about 30 yards left of the uprights like it was insane and you play in hamilton too like taking one way in that in that stadium it's really tough the ball can take over sometimes i've i've aimed a goal post or sorry half a upright over and let the wind hopefully it takes it sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but and then there are times where I don't know what the wind is doing. So, yeah, grip it, rip it, and hit it down the middle and hope for the best. But the ball does get affected a lot by wind, and people don't really realize that uh, watching it on their couch. But uh, even if you or any punter out there dropping the ball from your hand to your foot, in a windy situation or if it's a crosswind, the ball could move a foot either way, in either direction. So just it, from the drop? The just from the drop, yeah. You oh, try wow. going to a windy day and drop try to try to drop the ball where you want to drop it because if the ball comes inside your hip or inside your uh yeah you're outside your hip if it comes inside you can't punt the ball with a spiral it's going end over end so that's what the punters are trying to do and when you're in windy situations i when i train kickers i try to say kick the ball out of your hand you're not going to be able to do it but hang on to it for as long as you possibly can and stay low but that that ball gets affected a lot by wind and people don't really understand and that's why it's just so difficult to kick in, in the elements. And this, I, I've been lucky enough for the last few years with Corey and Dave 
uh, as my special teams coaches, they talked to me a lot about Wayne. They understood what was going on. Uh, I've been talking to Moss about it. I tell him my parameters before every game, and uh, he listens to me, and uh, and we do what we got to do, and that's why I think my stats have gotten better. So yeah, the wind is uh, very, is very uh, <laughs> I don't know what you want to say. It, it's the devil out there. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for your perspective. You obviously have uh, made a lot of big kicks as an Eskimo over the years, and hopefully there are more to come this season. And enjoy the rest of the playoffs, and all the best with the curling season. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. That is Sean White, Eskimos kicker and avid curler during the winter months. I loved what he had to say about the double doink kick and... Uh, I know it's now registered as as a block, um, but I, you heard what Sean said that he, he thought that the way Parkey executed the, the kick that that Sean thought right away was probably going to miss to the left. It did not by much, but it did. Meanwhile, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders expected to make it official tomorrow that Chris Jones is getting a contract extension. He uh, has a deal through this year, so he would likely get another year through 2020. We'll keep an eye on that tomorrow. Back after the news, Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.